Hey, this is Kim Davis and welcome to another DMN one-on-one. And my guest today is Andy Frazier, CEO and Editor-in-Chief of MyWorth. Welcome. Oh, well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. We'll get into exactly what MyWorth is and what it does and where you can find it, but I wanted to start with the fact that it's actually kind of part of Penn Mutual. It's a Penn Mutual creation. It's funded by Penn Mutual. Perhaps you could talk a little bit more about that and uh, uh, Penn Mutual's interest in what you're doing. So Penn Mutual is a life insurance and annuity company. Um, some might have called it in the past a boutique firm because we're a little bit smaller than some of the bigger insurers. However, um, Penn Mutual has been growing rapidly. Its products um, have been growing. And so we've increased our status, I think, in the field of insurers. And a couple of years ago, I was having a conversation with Penn Mutual CEO, Eileen McDonald, about the need to really reach women and talk with them about money and the interest that we both had on encouraging other women to join in the financial industry. And so we decided that we needed to do something really bold. And we made the courageous decision to launch a separate company, a media company that would focus entirely on educating and informing and getting women engaged around their finances. And so we launched this company so that we would have some independence, we would be separate, we could forge our own path, but with the um, financial backing of Pin Mutual. Okay, and I'll obviously include a link with the podcast, but it's myworthfinance.com. Don't forget the finance. Mm-hmm. And what, what, it's a fairly recent launch, isn't it? Yeah, we actually launched, you know, we've really operated inside of this lean startup philosophy, design thinking philosophy when we launched my words. So what's really unusual is you don't find a 171 year old insurance company deciding to kind of do a startup venture, but that's essentially what we did here. And so we really treated my worth like a startup. So we launched a real basic beta version of our website in July of 2018, but we had our launch party officially in November. And so we're now coming out of beta. We've been listening to our users, listening to the people that are subscribing with us and paying attention to what they're looking for. And um, we have made adjustments quickly so that we could adapt and um, we are growing rapidly as a result. We're going to take a dive into your content, but before we get there, you just mentioned design thinking. What does that mean to you in the context of a kind of startup? Well, in traditional corporate environments, they will think about a product that they might want to release or create, and there'll be teams of people that will spend a lot of time and effort building a product, and then there'll be sales and marketing people that'll come in on the back end to try to sell that product or talk about its benefits and and go with it from that perspective. What design thinking says is before we create a product, let's really get in touch to understand what is the problem we're trying to solve? Who are we really trying to help and service here. And so before you build a product, you really get in touch with who the end user is and what are their needs and what are their goals and what do they want to have um, in, in terms of a product. And then we build from there. And so you end up saving time and money as a result of doing that. That's a, there's a little upfront work, mm-hmm. but definitely will allow you to go faster later on. So we spent, you know, the good part when we launched in July, the good part of the first three to four months doing hundreds of interviews with women all over the country asking them you know how are you dealing with money what do you need what do you want how do we partner with you how do we give you the resources that you need and we really wanted to listen to what they had to say and create content and a product from there rather than pushing out something we thought they might need only to find out it wasn't of service to them this is a really important factor i think for anyone 
launching something like this these days, start with the audience. Don't start with your idea and then try to find an audience for it. Absolutely. And you know, a lot of, of the kind of Silicon Valley companies are doing a lot of design thinking and lean startup. Um, Eric Reese, I think who was formerly, I believe he was at Google, but I, I'm not sure. He wrote a book called The Lean Startup mm -hmm. Methodology. And as we got into that, we started learning more about design thinking, which really allows you to spend a lot of time on that front end, understanding your user archetype and, and building the personas that you want to really go after and learn about what you need to do. Okay. Now, I took a look at the website, and the first thing you see is um, a, a very appealing set of blog articles, each one clearly addressing some uh, pain point, I right. guess. Uh, what other channels are you using? I see you've just started a YouTube channel with them. Um, series called Self-Rising? Yes, about that. the Self-Rising series really came about because when we were talking with women back um, in the later part of 2018, we started having conversations with so many interesting women, people who were starting, women who were starting companies, women who were changing careers or having a transition in their life, and they had so many interesting stories to tell that we wanted to highlight through that through our Self-Rising series and not only hear their stories, but find out what did they learn about themselves and around how they dealt with financial issues and what are some of their thoughts. And so we're interviewing women of all, you know, age range who've been through all different things in their life so that we can hear what they have to say and learn from them and really build a strong community. So we're very excited about that self-rising series. Okay, and I know you've been recording a bunch of them in New York this week, so I'll add yes, a link to yes. that too. Um, of course, the idea today is that you meet your audience in whatever channel they choose, whichever channel they prefer. People don't always come first of all to a, to a website. So what about social channels, social platforms? We're very, very active on Facebook and Instagram. We've actually just launched a private Facebook group that dives in a little bit more around your money mindset. You know, it's our belief at my work that we want to focus on the emotional, behavioral, and societal barriers that prevent women from creating those strong financial foundations. So we're starting to launch some private groups so we can have some really deeper conversations around some of these issues where the women that are engaged in those private groups can really feel like they can share and get, you know, advice or help from other women that are going through the same types of things. And so we've launched a private group, but we have our regular Facebook site, our Instagram site. We're also on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. And so we want to be wherever women are going to get and seek knowledge. So Instagram and Facebook are certainly very popular. Okay. Um, talk about some of the issues. Uh, I saw, was reading uh, some of your content, saw something like 90% of women can expect to be solely responsible for the, their finances at some point in their life. And it made me wonder, is the, the need for something like My Worth, does it really evolve from the fact that our society is still structured in such a way that financial education assumes that women are going to have their finances managed by men a lot of the time? We're certainly starting to see the shift there as more women are becoming the breadwinners of their family and launching businesses, but there's still a lot of you know, societal conversation around, you know, typically it is maybe the man that's handling the money in the family. But what's interesting is the men may be making the long-term planning decisions, but the women are handling the spend and they're paying the bills. I mean, 85% of the spend is usually by women. Right. And so this kind of splitting of responsibilities has caused 
there to be some interesting conversations. And so women are trying to, we're trying to encourage them to get more engaged on the planning side. And we're also encouraging them to share with their partner if they're in that kind of more traditional family unit, a little bit about what they're doing on the day-to-day bill paying because I think it's good for both people to really communicate back and forth. Um, I'm excited about the shift that we're seeing. However, we have a lot of work to do. We have to start talking about money differently to the young girls that we're raising. We still talk differently to boys and girls about money and we have to do so at a very early age so that they have a mind set as they're growing up that really allows them to want to take control and feel like they can take ownership and that they should be doing more of that. And so I think it's it's gonna be progress that we can make, um, and as long as we're moving forward, it'll be a good thing. I think in that context, why don't we give a shout out to Girls Inc? We have partnered with them in the past. I know you've been talking to them. They do a great job of taking women at a very early age and starting to teach them about financial responsibility, personal responsibility, that kind of thing. It's so important to do that. I think there is a desperate need for financial education within our school systems for both boys and girls, um, quite frankly. And I think it could be different conversations at different stages throughout their education. Um, But I think it's so important and it's something so needed. And I think a lot more people might not be in debt if they had had financial education earlier on um, in their youth. Yeah. Um, Another big distinction between men and women is the question of childbearing. That's um, a big expense. And so often women end up facing the responsibilities and the burdens alone. So is that another important pain point for you to focus on? Yeah, you know, what we find is a lot of women still aren't earning as much as their male counterparts and a lot of jobs. And what's further complicating that is the fact that some of them will take time off to deal, to raise a young, you know, children or to care for a family member. Even later on, I'm meeting with a lot of women that are my age that are looking at how do I take care of my parents or my in-laws or another relative that's older while I'm also trying to prepare to send my children to college. And more and more women are choosing to have families on their own. They're choosing to adopt or have a child and not be in a traditional type of relationship, which is great, but that does mean that there are going to be some different things that they have to look at with regards to their money, some different responsibilities there. Certainly continuing to bring up the conversation of maternity leave and how we can support women during that role and where women can continue to earn as much as their male counterparts is really important for us to continue to focus on as we support these women. Actually makes me think the content you're talking about, obviously designed for women, but it sounds like there's a lot there which anyone could benefit from. I mean, I'm hopeless with finances, rely on my wife. Sounds like I should be reading it. (laughs) You know, I, I think it's really important for us to not just say this is only for women, that men can really benefit from reading some of our content as well. Not only could they maybe gather something for themselves that might be of value, but they can also read that and think about the women in their lives. Yeah. You know, their daughters, their sisters, their wives, their friends, their mothers, their aunts, you know, their nieces, anybody that they have in their life that they care about that they think this is important information to share and pass along to them. I think we're better when we do it together mm-hmm. and when we both work really well to educate everybody around money and not just feel like it's a, an us versus them mentality. Okay. That's a great message. And just to, to finish up, this is all springing from a, a mutual insurance company which has been around for about 170 years. Um, it's not always the sector we look for for innovative, empowering thinking. So, Talk about that a bit. You know, one of the things that I think is really fantastic about Penn Mutual is they have been very focused on bringing innovation to our industry so that we can be 
in you know not at jeopardy of being disrupted by outside forces and I think that is a real bolding in place to be and an important place to be rather than just being satisfied with the status quo and so they're doing some really great innovative things in addition to my work they're looking at how to innovate and reach consumers in different ways and to be able to allow technology to enhance the value that their advisors provide and they're they're not taking any prisoners they're going for it all and they're winning awards for innovation and so it's really a setting kind of a table stakes plan yeah. for other insurers to hopefully follow. Okay, this is um, it's a great project. Andy, thank you so much for taking us through it. Thank you so much for having me.